Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it is Wood Talk number 349 for January 16th, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about staining complex projects. Matt's building a solar kiln and wood movement and wide boards. And we'd like to thank some individuals who helped us out by supporting us over at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodtalk. And here are those people. Scott Servin, Rodrigo Meza, Jason Linden, David Lenartsen, Michael Zeller, something that looks Russian with un- unpronounceable symbols. I, there's not, I can't even make an attempt at that, but it does look Russian. <laughs> um, Michael Hodges. I'm going to send this to you guys later so you can see what I'm talking about. And uh, Robert Mooney, thank you so much for helping us out, folks. You uh, you really make us feel good about this because I don't want to say that like it's because of you that we do the show. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to make it sound like if, we, if you didn't do this, we wouldn't do the show because we would do the show. We we had but we think about it. We, we think about we think about maybe not doing it, but we would still do right. the show. But when you help us out, it really lets us know that you care and that you really enjoy what we do. And it, honestly, it encourages us to continue doing you know what the two to three shows a week that we're doing these days and recording late on a Monday night because we because Shannon was busy buying a car. And uh, <laughs> so now it's like super late, the latest we've ever recorded. I say super late. That's a parent of a baby talking. It's 8 p.m. my time. <laughs> no, it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> it's late for you guys. It's late for everybody. It's yeah, all good. They got to be at work at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Just in time so, yeah. to start the night shift. That's right. That's right. So, uh, all right. So let's get to the good stuff. Anyway, patreon.com slash woodtalk if you want to help us out, get some fun stuff in return. And uh, let's talk about what's on the bench. So for me, got a lot going on. Uh, I'm, I'm in that... Uh, part of this phase in getting into the shop that is starting to feel like a shop and I'm I'm starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of like I remember way back when I first moved in like what month and a half almost two months ago and I started talking about the order like do I do this first do I do that first I'm, I'm through enough of this stuff that now I can kind of see a very logical order of things that have to happen before other things occur so next up I've got the uh, electrical dudes coming in on Wednesday to put in some new outlets and that means I'll be able to finally fire up some of these tools uh, soon after that is going to be the dust collection and then I'll be good to go but right now I'm in just total organizational phase so putting up the tool cabinet on the wall trying there's pegboard in the shop already when I got here so I'm just making use of that for now uh, trying to get things to make sense on the pegboard and even trying to get the podcasting set up which I'm, I do in the shop now trying to get that in a, in a space that makes sense um, and that's kind of what's been keeping me busy no real project stuff but the shop is just kind of one big project at this point so totally fun though isn't it i i got into it you want to know how much i got into it (laughs) when i go and fire up plex and start watching old woodworks episodes nice you know i'm into it (laughs) like that's what i did last night i watched the david marks woodworks um shop tour that he did and i'm like you know what i haven't seen it in years and i'm in that mode of that creative mode where it just everything feels positive like you fall asleep at night and it, you're running through your head all the different things that you could do to try to make the organization better it's so silly like it, it makes me feel like a kid when i'm when i'm thinking about these things but it's like we're just talking about shop organization but it, it does make me feel good that this far into the game that i could still get to that point of Ooh, I'm kind of giddy about this. I'm kind of excited, you know. And yeah. all I'm talking about is like, how do I want these things to look on my wall? You know, it's such a silly thing to to get excited about, but I do. 
So it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. It's going. It's why. It's why every woodworker has that in common. We geek out over our shops, our clubhouse. Yeah, you know, and we could talk shop organization all day long. Totally. Totally. (laughs) Oh, the other thing uh, today was a gentleman, a guild member, actually came by and uh, purchased my twenty-inch Powermatic bandsaw. So uh, the two bandsaw setup, I don't know that that is something I'm going to be able to do in this shop. So I wanted to kind of get a bandsaw that would be a nice compromise between the 20 and the 14. And I've got my eye on the, the PM 1500. And it's basically a smaller format, closer to your 14 inch format, but definitely a bigger, beefier, serious saw. And I don't really resaw stuff that's that wide, you know, 10 inches at the most. And I think this thing has like a 14 inch capacity. So certainly going to be good enough for my purposes, but a nice compromise. So I don't have that 20 inch monster beast of a bandsaw that I just got rid of. And I don't necessarily, I might still keep the 14 inch because it's like, I, I look at that thing like a big scroll saw. You know, so. <laughs> well, the, the guy who bought it, is he local to Denver? No, he he's oh. from Wyoming and he, he oh. started, started driving last night to get out here in time to pick it up today. Oh, geez. Yeah. It's like Northern Wyoming. I was going to say, Wyoming's not that far. Yeah. <laughs> it's a couple well, hours North. Yeah. Well, either way, it's not around the corner. So he well, was, you say if he was close by, you can always just go over to his house. That's true. If I ever, well, just you know like what? you were going to pop over and borrow a cup of wood from Matt. Wood? Yeah. A cup of wood. Can you I borrow can pop a, a cup of bandsaw? <laughs> can I get a cup of resaw, please? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I'm excited about that. Things are really coming together. And Matt, what do you got going on? Well, I'm kind of thinking the same thing as, as you are. I'm like, I think for 2017, like my, goal for the year is going to be to get my shop a little more organized and play that game a little bit more mm-hmm. like a little harder for real this time for real like I, I, I kind of like for fakesies did it like <laughs> the past few years yeah um i think for realsies this year i'm actually going to like significantly put effort into actually creating more storage and like getting the stuff out of the shop that i don't really use it often and like just put it out in my shed or whatever I think that's, I'm kind of thinking about that because right now I have the farm steel benches in there. I'm getting the finish applied, which takes forever. So I have a lot of time. It's like, just if I want to go in the shop, I can't really do anything because I literally have table bases and tops on my assembly table, my workbench and my yeah. table saw. So it's like, I can go up there and just kind of like just stare and look at it, look around <laughs> the shop, Yeah, you know, put your hands on your hips and kind of uh, gaze at your kingdom and uh, like force turn count. around and leave. <laughs> can you just picture that right now doing a forest gump pose yes i can so so <laughs> lens we're looking at lens a we're looking kind of works that does work <laughs> Jeez, that's very is good. like a log yard so basically you're looking at uh purge mode pretty soon then <laughs> uh yeah yeah so like half of it, so some of it's purge and then the rest of it's actually like I need this stuff out here, but I finally need to like make or have some way of organizing and storing these things mm-hmm. because I am absolutely sick of going out in the shop and being like, where is this one thing? I know it's, I had it under this pile of crap at one point <laughs> and that pile of crap got moved around and now I don't know where that pile of crap is anymore because it got moved around so many times. I'm, I'm just sick of that. Yeah. And the problem is I have too many small things and I don't have any like decent stop, uh, shop storage for all the small stuff. So it gets really cluttered pretty quickly. And the other problem I have is I have a bunch of stuff in there that, because my shop isn't just like only woodworking stuff. I have my metal stuff there now and uh, my chainsaw stuff as well. So I kind of like organizing that as well so that that stuff that I don't need can be out of the shop and I can have more room 
to actually like walk around, which didn't wasn't really that big of a deal before making content. But when you like you have to like walk around, you walk around a lot more moving the camera around. Yeah, it's like yeah. okay, I'm by the table side, I gotta walk over here, and maybe I'll change the angle, move the camera. And you're walking back and forth a lot more than you normally are mm-hmm. if you're just out there building something. So having clear aisles and stuff like that is like we talked about this. When was Shan? I think you talked about this a couple weeks ago, where Jay Bates made that like camera pole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm like, yeah, that'd be super effective, but I could never do that because I always have crap over my floor. I cannot <laughs> wheel things around in my shop. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I got that too. Yeah. But besides that, so I've been doing a lot of thought experiments this week uh, while doing some editing for the Farmer's Table nice. project thing. So that's what I've been doing. Sounds good. Hey, yeah. that's cool. And Shadow, on. what well, about you? I uh, I put life on hold this weekend and uh, went live. <laughs> I built a bookcase live all weekend long. Um, just, you know, what was I thinking in hindsight now? <laughs> But uh, it was it was a bunch of um, uh, hand tool school community members. They were talking about um, basically the whole thing started out as one of the members trying to avoid a trip to Ikea. So it was his wife was saying, oh, I need you to build this. So he finally built something. And she was like, OK, that's great. Now I need a bookcase. And considering how long it took you to build that thing, I think I'll just go to Ikea. So he kind of like in a panic was like, look, I need a bookcase. I can build real quick. And uh, several members got talking. They decided that the bookcase featured in Schwartz's anarchist design book was a good one. And, you know, member A to member B said, you know what? I need to build one, too. And then suddenly member C chimed in. I need to build a bookcase. Suddenly, like 20, 30 guys were like, yeah, let's do a group build. Well, since I moderate and run the community, I'm thinking I should probably participate in this. I'm thinking, well, I have absolutely no time. Wasn't planning on building bookcase at all. So rather than like go into the whole like build it and film and edit it, just kind of fire up the camera live and build it. So yeah, (laughs) Saturday, Sunday and Monday, uh, I streamed for about two hours each time. And lo and behold, I built a bookcase. It's kind of cool, actually. That is awesome. Uh, I can't remember the last time I started and well, technically, I haven't put finish on it yet. So technically, it's not finished. So give me another year. I was going to say, is that <laughs> slated for 2018? Because <laughs> yeah, past performance no. would indicate. <laughs> I'm waiting on some some rot nails from France, some very fancy hoity-toity nails oh, to show up from France. <laughs> Nothing but the best um, nails. Once, but I have to paint it before I put those nails in. I specifically don't want to cover up the cool rot nail look so i want to paint it first mm-hmm. but i can't remember the last time i started and finished a project in the course of a weekend certainly not since i went all hand tools well, did i do that having but a i bunch don't of, think even when i was power tool focused did i do that having a bunch of people looking over your shoulder the whole time can kind of make it move fast <laughs> like yeah. well you done yet? you know you the done whole yet? thing technically wasn't built live but you saw everything i did and then like because there were six dados i didn't cut all six dados live i got two of them live and then i cut the remaining four off camera um but Knowing that tomorrow at 11 a.m. I have to fire this up and all the joinery has to be done, you know, yeah. all the milling has to be done before 11 a.m. tomorrow. So, yeah, it was uh, it was motivating, certainly. Um, but uh, honestly, I think total. So there's a not quite six hours on camera streaming time, um, but I figured it out. It took about eight hours, eight and a half, I think, to build the entire bookcase. Mm-hmm. So um, it was really only about two, maybe two and a half hours off camera time spent actually building it. So uh, yeah, that's awesome. you can build a bookcase in a weekend. Wow. So <laughs> you didn't see, you didn't see much of Heather this weekend, huh? 
Who? <laughs> <laughs> you know that, that your roommate, your female roommate. <laughs> your roommate. Well, well, that was the funny thing. Is what was it? Wednesday of last week, my uh, my Honda was in the shop, and it was, I got that that um, hesitant phone call from the mechanic. Like, yeah, this is how much is gonna cost, and. I think maybe you should not get the repair done. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I think maybe you need to like call this one. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> take it out back and shoot. I was 11 years old and it had almost 300,000 miles on it. It's done its job, yeah. you know? So needless to say the suddenly, oh crap, we got to buy a new car, you know, new car, whatever. We have to buy a new to us car. Um, I hate doing that. Like, I'm just not a car guy. I like having a car that's reliable. I'm, I'm not one that will geek out on stuff and, so it was, it was terrible. So like, as you guys know, I texted you this afternoon saying, okay, <laughs> go to get a car six hours later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hence the 10 PM recording time. There we go. All because of a car dealership. Yeah. I, but, I don't, I don't like know. that process either. That's, that's the worst. But yeah. That whole thing got put on hold knowing full well that like we need two cars tomorrow morning. Like, yeah. <laughs> both of us have to get to work <laughs> and we just kept putting off the buy and putting off the buy. Cause Oh, I've got to do the live stream. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, no, um, inclination to get a truck. Oh no, no. That's the next one. Um, unfortunately both of our cars are really old. Uh, My Toyota is actually 12 years old, um, and has more than 200. I don't remember. It's 220,000, I think on it. Mm -hmm. That one is going to have to go soon, but that's the car that I drive and my commute is actually quite short and I I don't ever hit a highway. So that car is kind of, I don't want to say it's limping along. It does fine, but it's not really one I want to take on the highway. Um, but I'm going to hopefully hang on to that for another year and then I'm getting a truck. Okay. That's yeah. Yeah. Really the only thing that's held me back all these years is, is the job that I had at the time I would have clients in my car oh, and that yeah. was the Honda that I just got rid of, you know, nice sedan with leather interior. Um, it's gone now. Um, you know, the last relic, the last in dash CD player is now gone. <laughs> <laughs> Although I shouldn't say that. Right. Can they, Ask you, Kenny. Uh, I shouldn't say that because my Toyota actually has a tape player. Oh, Ooh, nice. Man. Yeah, that's awesome. Matt, Retro. so tapes are these things that they used to put music on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, he's, he's like awfully young. Painter's tape? Not yeah. blue, it's not Josh blue tape. tape. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just like that. Well, cool, no, man. No, but I will probably buy a used truck. I don't really see the need to buy a new car. This is a brand new car that we just bought today. So yeah. I'll probably. Well, the truck is going to get beat up. Throw, exactly. Throwing that boards in the back. Thought. And if you're like Matt in his uh, lumber milling video in the guild, which is fantastic, he's, <laughs> he's driving backwards and he's, I guess, got like the GoPro or something mounted on the back. So you can watch him backing up to push these slabs onto a pile. And he just like ever so gently smacks the tailgate into the pile. <laughs> I'm like, Matt must have an old truck because... Uh, <laughs> I don't no, know that, that I, was uh, that was like the year I got that truck. <laughs> oh, seriously? I'm like, man, that was a graceful move right there. <laughs> well, you see, the, the, the way that I treat my truck is like this: the front, you know, it's like it's like kind of like a mullet, but it's like the inverse. It's like business in the back, party in the front. There you go. No, yeah, that is a mullet. The front. That's exactly, exactly a mullet. <laughs> he treats a she trucks are like mullets. I like that. Good logic. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, speaking of the farmhouse show table, title in there somewhere. There somewhere is. in there. There's a show title. Mullet somewhere truck? in there. There's a show title. Trucks are like mullets. 
Uh, all right, so let's get into what's new. And uh, speaking of the farmhouse table, we really only have self-promotional things here, so forgive us for that. But uh, the farmhouse table project did begin. We have the first two videos out, and they are fantastic. Absolutely loved sitting through, and I'm trying to edit it, but I, I found myself like losing track of what I was doing because I was just watching it, uh, which was pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, so yeah, really, really good stuff. Watching Matt take logs and mill them down into slabs and then bring them in, you know, and sort of prepare them for this project uh, was an absolute blast. And just a heads up that this is the last opportunity uh, at the end of the month, the bundle switches out. The farmhouse table is removed from the bundle. So if you want to get this thing at 50% off with three other cool projects, now's the time to do it. If you wait too long, then you can't get it for 50% off. So just a heads up there. It's at the woodwhisperguild.com. And Shannon, go ahead. Self-promote my friend. Well, um, uh, once again, Mark's showing me up by giving 50% off his thing because I'm only <laughs> offering 30% off. But yeah. seriously, I don't do sc- uh, sales in the Handel School very often, but I had fully intended on doing one at um, Christmas time. And it just, Christmas kind of happened. And suddenly it was like two weeks after Christmas. I was like, oh, crap. So uh, if you use the code SNOWPOCALYPSE at checkout, <laughs> you'll save 30% off everything <laughs> projects, semesters, apprenticeship. Do it now. Sweet. Uh, actually, that uh, that runs through through Friday uh, of this week. What is that? The twentieth. So we'll call it the inauguration sale. Get it now. <laughs> yes, thirty percent off. There's a good idea. Maybe maybe I don't want to associate the school with. All right, never mind. Snowpocalypse. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you're snowed in, you're stuck in your shop. You want to build some stuff. You want to watch woodworking videos because you know you're in a shop organization mood when you put on hand tool school videos. That's right. That's true. I just compared myself to David Marks. That I'm is not kick back to that. I said that's true, but I didn't mean it. Um, okay. <laughs> One more thing. I actually forgot about this. Maker's Hustle. I was a guest on the show a couple days ago. Then I think the episode just came out today. So um, if you don't oh. subscribe there, it's an audio podcast and uh, by Bill Lavolsi. And it's got some cool people on it. We've talked about it on this show before. A lot of fun. Had a good time talking about niche markets. And uh, go download it now. Maker's Hustle or Maker Shussle, depending on how you want to... <laughs> How you want to break those words up? Depending on where you heard about it from. That's true. If you heard it from us, it's Maker <laughs> Shussle. Uh, all right. So let's get into uh, kickback. Um, Nick Carruthers wrote in. He said, regarding episode 347 and the question of miter saw versus table saw for breaking down lumber. You know what? I'm tired of reading, Matt. Why don't you read this? Where are we here? And plus, I was even paying attention to how far you got. Yeah, just thing. start it over because Mateo's here. So uh, I'll be right back. Okay. Uh, regarding episode 347 and the question of the Meyer saw versus table saw for breaking down lumber, I agree with Matt 133%. That if it's just for cutting pieces to rough length and you don't have a chop saw, you would be best using a jigsaw, circular saw, or gasp <gasps> handsaw. <laughs> Even with the sled, <laughs> cutting unmilled material on the table saw can be dicey. However, I recently ran to a case where I needed to make a bunch of repeated finished cross cuts on long pieces. My sled fence only has limited room for uh, stopped cuts. So I made a fence, fence extension with T-Track that attaches to either side, give me an effective stopped crosscut length up to about five feet or so. You can see pictures at link here. <laughs> <laughs> I, am play- <laughs> I laugh at myself for no reason. I'm putting together a video of the build, but given my typical uh, regimented release schedule uh, of releasing a video every 21 months, it might be a while. Thanks and keep up the great work, Nick. Yes, <laughs> jerk juice begin. I can't believe Mark didn't buy a stop stop and jerk juice. PPS. Emoji just kidding. Emoji save finger. Emoji laugh. Okay. <laughs> Good stuff. 
Uh, nothing like reading code. That's not <laughs> code. Code is good. Uh, okay. So I also wanted to mention here, if you have a chance, go to the website, go to the past weekend show where we had the question about the proposition of losing your finger to gain a lifetime of like safe you know, experiences in the shop. A lot of people chimed in on that. I'm not going to read them all, but definitely go there and read it. There are some entertaining comments there on the website from that. Uh, and let's see, I had a kickback from Adam. It was a voicemail kickback. That's just far too long. Adam, sorry about that. It sounded like he was driving and he was distracted. So it was over three minutes. Uh, so we're not going to be able to play it. And he said, oh, is the road rage segments in there? Cause I'd like to hear that. No, he's very relaxed, very calm, <laughs> almost too calm. And, uh, he actually said one of the pieces of feedback was he has a friend who is a great pianist who only has, uh, he's actually got multiple, short fingers. So I don't know whether it was an injury or a birth defect or something, but he's a really good pianist. He was mentioning Shannon's uh, comment and concern about if he lost his fingertip that it might affect his piano playing. So he was just using that as a a point of reference for a friend of his. I can't can't even imagine like much, much respect. I can't even, how do you like do sharps and flats? Like, whoa, right. That's That's crazy. Sharps and flats, right? I can't wrap my head. I can't wrap my, my head or my fingers. How do you do a sharp and flat? How do you know is it like diamond stones or water stones? I have no little idea. Little black keys. Little black keys. Oh, the little boys. black ones? Okay. The ones oh. traditionally made out of ebony. <laughs> nice. There, I brought it back to woodworking. See? Now Thank we're, you. We're all good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're safe now. Uh, all right, so we do have two voicemails here, which I did not give you guys a heads up on, so you're hearing it for the first time now. Surprise! Hi, um, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. This is Tom in San Jose. Uh, first of all, thanks so much for your podcast. It's been a great resource for me and I've really enjoyed listening to it. So now to my question. It seems like I spend almost half of my woodworking time on sanding, which is dusty and boring, at least to me. Do you have any suggestions on how to reduce this time? Um, I'm typically sanding flat surfaces. I, I typically start with an 80 or 120 grit, then work my way up to 220 for hardwoods. Um, I usually use a random orbital sander although sometimes I start with a belt sander. So um, do you think a drum sander would help sand, speed up the sanding for flat parts? Um, it seems like it could, but on the other hand, changing belts to, to work through grit seems like that would really be time-consuming and kind of a pain. Uh, I mean, I suppose you could just use it for the coarse grit and then um, use a random orbital sander for the rest. Or should I just learn to use my smoothing plane better? Anyway, any other ideas um, that you would have, I'd appreciate. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. A lot of ways you can go with this. Uh, Matt, you want to kick it off? Um, well, he didn't say what kind of sander he has, but if you're doing a lot of big flat areas, a uh, larger sander, like a six inch, would definitely improve that. I mean, I found that when I went to a six inch from a five inch, um, my time actually spent sanding dropped significantly. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what it. I don't know, people can complain about the Festool and their prices and everything, and the only experience I have with the 6-inch sander is the ETS-150-5, which is a bigger stroke on it. But the day I got that, and the, the day I used that for real, like on an actual project, I was like, holy crap, what was I doing before with this old sander, which was just a 5-inch home center style one, I think it was a rigid one, whatever. I was surprised how much faster it went. I don't know. No, it was, I, I think there's it was like a very drastic that. thing, but I think there's merit to that. <clears throat> I had a well, similar experience when I went with a, <laughs> a larger sander, but you know, it also may be just, 
is he, I don't want to say, is he sanding correctly? It's not like there's a huge amount of technique to it, but if you're putting way too much pressure down, I also see a lot of people kind of doing the like fidgety sanding where it's just, like moving it back and forth really quick instead of a controlled kind of slow <laughs> movement across the board. That certainly speeds up your sanding instead of you like fighting the tool that helps. And I think having for me, having a bigger kind of heavier sander just automatically slowed me down. Um, mm-hmm. So when I went to the, the Rotex, that made a huge difference for me. Everything seemed to go faster. Definitely. You know, one of the things that going into sort of the hybrid territory, one of the things that really saves tons of paper is just cabinet scrapers and card scrapers. So when you get the, the, the wood off of the planer, just taking a card scraper to it can get all those mill marks off. And really the only sanding you have to do at that point is maybe jump to 180. And if I guess 220, if you need to go that high, so you can actually, if you're dedicated about using those tools and you keep them nice and sharp, you can totally take those sandpapers, the lower range of sandpapers off your list. You don't have to buy them anymore. You could just stick with those higher grits. Uh, And to address his drum sander question, I do think the drum sander can definitely save you time. You got to keep the right grit on there. Um, I like do the lazy method and I figure things coming off my planer are pretty darn smooth to begin with. Maybe a little bit of you know scalloping or, or ridges there. Um, so when I throw it through the drum sander to finish it off, it's either usually about 120 is about where, where I keep my drum sander. And then from that point, I could scrape it very quickly and then do one last sanding with 180 or 220 and it's done. So the actual amount of sanding is completely reduced. You still have to do surfacing to some extent, but as far as sanding goes, it's absolutely minimized if you use the right combination of tools. And certainly if you go all Shannon up in here and you, mm-hmm. uh, you grab your smoothing plane, there's really not much at all to do after you're done. Sandpaper? What's sandpaper? <laughs> what yeah. is this newfangled thing you speak of? Right, Exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I was distracted there for a minute because Nicole's, I guess, with the baby and Mateo's running around the house d- destroying things, and I'm trying to trying to keep the nice. house from burning down. <laughs> uh, it's difficult recording at this time of day. Um, okay, next one is from Gerard. Guys, it's Gerard Williams calling from Bowie, Maryland. Uh, I'm calling with a question about a countertop I'm fabricating. <laughs> Out of walnut, I'm making it edge grain, so uh, the face grain is towards the sides, kind of like a workbench blew up. I got a deal on some relatively short lumber, so the lumber I'm working with is just over six feet. Unfortunately, the countertop I have to make is just over six feet, so I'm going to lose a couple inches in milling, etc. My question is this, is there a way that I can put essentially a breadboard end on this to get myself uh, another couple inches and just put me over the mark for the countertop. Um, I have done breadboard ends before, but I have not done one with something that uh, has the face grain running up and down. So I'm guessing wood expansion is now in like the vertical dimension. So I don't know how I can join this to account for that. Um, I was looking at the Rubo workbench and how the end cap fits on that, but don't know if you guys have any advice here. Would really appreciate it. Thanks for all you do. Bye. Cool. Thanks, Gerard. Uh, Shannon, you want to grab that one? Sure. Um, I mean, wood expansion. Well, shoot. We're talking about a workbench. So, talking about countertop. Countertop. I mean, sorry. He was saying like <laughs> he brought up sorry. a workbench. <laughs> brought it up like it was laminated, like a like a work like a Rubo workbench. Right. Um, let me think about this. 
I think I don't think it's going to matter. Right. Yeah. That, that's my gut reaction is I'm not sure that it really is going to make a difference. Uh, if anything, my, I think with the, the edge grain, he's essentially creating like a quarter sawn layup of grain yeah. that this thing is actually going to be more stable than if it were just flat sawn boards. So his breadboard is probably going to, you know, how sometimes the breadboard, if it's flush at the ends, seasonal changes, it may not be flush. He's probably going to have a better shot of that staying flush over the course of seasons with this orientation. I don't think that the thickness over whatever the thickness is, I mean, it's a countertop, so it can't be that thick. I don't think it's going to have any impact at all. Uh, I think he could just follow basic breadboard joinery uh, techniques and rules of thumb, and I think we'll be fine. Yeah, it's it's a good kind of case study where, you know, we all know the basics of wood movement, and, and he's right. He's thinking in terms of, okay, I've flipped the orientation, so this is the way it's going to move. But there's other mitigating factors. When you start laminating a bunch of boards together, you're kind of, you've got this great beam strength across the width. And then you've got all these glue lines, you know, and whether you're going to consider a glue line to be a vapor barrier or not, whatever, you're still adding a lot of kind of structure in there that can really help resist a lot of stuff. And then you throw a breadboard on there. You know, if I look at, um, if we do compare it to a workbench like he did, and I look at the end cap I have on my workbench, uh, like the, the, the gap, that little reveal that you see in the expansion and contraction is nearly minimal, um, over the course of the year, because you're right. It's kind of like a quarter sawn layup that I've just created. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do it. Uh, just like Gerard and who's the other guy, Tom, uh, like those guys did. Guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you forgot can, about you already. Yep. Yep. I had to scroll up. Uh, you can get us on Skype at wood talk online or just call the phone number six, two, three, two, four, two, five, one, eight, zero. We look forward to hearing from you. We like, uh, answering those voicemail questions. Let's get into our email boys. Um, we've got one here from Michael Zalera. He says, Hey Mark, Matt and Shannon, I'm nearing the time when I'll be standing and finishing my grandfather clock guild build. And I don't have access to HVLP. If you were wiping or brushing a finish on the clock, what products and process would you use? Does the stain change anything other than a little dry time? Uh, thank you for all, or to all three of you for the great content and encouraging me to build things that are out of my beginner comfort zone. All right, so complex projects. You know, and the, the clock, it's not super complex, but there's two doors on it. It's a you know angled casework. There's framing panels on the side. It's quite a bit going on there. So if you're doing a brushed on or wiped on sort of finish, you have to be concerned about pieces touching other pieces. So I would actually do something very similar to what I did in the video. In the video, I used a water-based dye to stain it, and I simply doused it with my HVLP gun and then wiped off the excess. You can kind of simulate this without an HVLP. Um, so what I would probably do with a water-based dye is I would pre-raise the grain, of course. You always want to do that. And sometimes right before, especially on a complex project, right before I actually stain it, I'll grab a spray bottle and actually mist the surface a little bit, pre-wet it. Excuse me. Ooh, that one came out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> came out of your what? It, no, I'm, my mouth. <laughs> Relax. Um, if, uh, if you, if you pre-wet the surface, the stain hits the water. It's a water-based, uh, water-based dye. It hits the water and it doesn't quite absorb as deep because the, the wood fiber has absorbed some of the liquid already. So the stain doesn't deeply absorb. So it kind of gives you a little bit more working time, time to use a rag and wipe it and spread it. And just to make sure that everything is nice and even, uh, so you can do that. And, and one of the things I've done in the past is I'll take a water-based dye and put that in a spray bottle. 
right? So between those two things, using a little bit of water and then having your spray, uh, another spray thing with your dye in it, you can actually move very quickly around the piece and get a whole section done in one time and then go back and, and wipe it back so that there's no standing liquid on the surface and make sure you're evening everything out as you go. So I find a water-based dye to be really forgiving in a hand-applied situation. So that's that's what I would recommend for that. And as far as the top coat, you know, whatever you are, I would say whatever you're most adept at applying, you know, and if you can do a uh, wipe on poly oil-based wipe on poly is a great choice for that. Uh, do that. I think that'll work just fine. It's one of the easiest finishes to apply by hand. I did that on a Windsor chair once, just like a, you know, regular old spray bottle mm-hmm. with some uh, trans tint dye in it. And yeah, raised the grain, got my color in. It was awesome. Yeah. It's easy to do. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, just you put something on the floor, it's going to make a big mess, uh, but, it, but it does work. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I forgot to do that at first and I still have a little spot in the front of my garage. It's just a yes, reminder of it will, uh, projects dec- gone by. It'll decorate your concrete for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt, I want to hear the answer to this question. Pretty cool, huh? If you do this it, one is from, if you do it, it will be. I will see. This one is from Nick. It says, is Matt going to build a solar kiln? Question mark. I have a short answer that I have an explanation to go with it. My, my short answer is uh, most probably, and the explanation is um, for a solar kiln to work, I think you yeah, kind of need not... this thing called the sun, right? And you probably <laughs> want to have doesn't some make sense. Like, area to put it where it's going to get a lot of sunlight, right? Well, <laughs> you see, <laughs> right. we should probably not record late at night because I am really... <laughs> I think we're all a little out of it. Uh, I don't know. I like I like late night slumber party, Matt. Oh yeah. Woo. <laughs> uh, let's talk so about boys now. Sorry. So on my property, I have a lot of mature trees, and therefore I have actually I have no area on my property which, which receives full sun, which makes gardening kind of challenging for me as an offshoot of this question. Um, so will I be building one? Yes, but. Not, not really for the reason of why you would think I would build one. I'd be building one to um, make a video about it, kind of explain the process about it, more of a teaching tool, more than an actual useful tool because solar is probably not the good, the best way for me to go as far as like production-wise in my, my space here. Um, so yes, I guess at some point. Hmm. I fail to see the problem here. So what you're saying is you have too many trees and not enough sun. And now you have a chainsaw that's going unused because you just built a bandsaw mill. So not that, you know, I love mature trees on my property too, but, you know, I don't own a chainsaw with a 60-inch bar or whatever that thing was that you had that now has just become a crazy Halloween costume. Let's go, Paul Bunyan. Chop them down. Uh, So the nice thing about the trees though right now is they're kind of like like shading the area both as far as sunlight and like onlooking eyeballs. Oh, ah. privacy. So band, that dude bandsawing. I get it. Okay. I've got this big ass bandsaw. Everybody wants to look at the driveway. Cremona compound, see what's going on. <laughs> <over there. laughs> Cremona compound. <laughs> yeah, but he's got his own bandsaw mill. So that's compound uh, in a very creepy sense of the word. <laughs> yeah, it is. They're like, what is going on over there? It's like Waco compound, not yeah. Kennebunkport compound. <laughs> not the good kind, the bad kind. <laughs> oh. Nice. Awesome. All right. Uh, well, this is that is you good, Matt? Can I can I move on? Are you metaphorically drinking right now? Um, I could add one more thing. The fact that I have my dehumidification kiln, which I've been using for a few years, aka my basement, uh, works pretty well as a standalone thing too. So hmm. I've got Fair. that. 
Cool. So. It ain't broke. It does Great. work quite well. It probably my my uh, fake kiln that I have here in the house would be way more effective, or is way more effective than a solar kiln in my yard would be. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't have any numbers on solar kilns. I mean, I know how they work. I just don't know what kind of the the timing is like. Granted, I've never looked, so <laughs> I'm you sure it's. To, they can, it depends where you put them. You put them out in the full sun in the middle of summertime. Uh, you have to be very careful of what say, the moisture content is. It is extremely hard to regulate. So, I mean, there's ways. With the ones you see online the most, they're like really low tech and they don't really have any, um, I don't know, a whole lot of like flexibility. But what you really need for a solar kiln would be like um, those greenhouse things that open the windows at a certain temperature. So you can actually regulate the actual temperature in there or else it gets ridiculously hot in there. And if your the moisture content in your boards are too high, like if you like if you take green lumber and you put it in a solar kiln without any kind of like regulation, you're not there checking on it every single day, like multiple times a day to check the temperature, case hardening. Yeah. Day one. Day okay. one. I think Mark should build a solar kiln. And if it doesn't dry the lumber, he's in Colorado, so he could find some use for that greenhouse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, hold on, let me uh, let me file um, a request with the HOA. See if I can pull that one off. There we go. <laughs> I can't put I in a shed for a my weed greenhouse. I can't even put a shed for a lawnmower and my bike. You know, so I'm not sure I'm <laughs> going to get away with a solar kiln back there. <laughs> oh crap! Nice. All right, all right. Well, this uh, next question comes from Wade on wood movement, and he says, "I know wood moves. I try to take into account as well as I can, but I had a surprise with my current project." I'm working with Cortison White Oak, and after I moved the boards from my shop, which is about 50 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit this time of year, to my finishing space, which is about 60, two of the boards developed a significant cup. It's a one-eighth of an inch across the 13-inch width. Have you seen this before? Will it straighten back out again with equilibri- equal e- bleh, with time? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. So, um... You have 13 inch wide quarter sawn white oak. Nice. That's ridiculous. Sweet. That's awesome. <laughs> um, it's a big tree. Yeah. Can I borrow uh, a cup of oak? Cup of oak. <laughs> <laughs> cup of oak. <laughs> um, this is one of those things where, you know, we as woodworkers, we love the wide boards. We love the wide and thick lumber. Pause, <laughs> Pause for that to sink in and for Mark to think that's oh, what it's already said. It's already sunk. <laughs> the damage um, is done. But it's interesting. I actually find that it tends to be a lot more trouble than it's worth. Uh, really wide lumber. Now, if it's 100% quarter sawn, it might be a little bit better. It's going to look really, really cool. But your typical wide board generally has like the cathedral right down the middle. And then there's kind of rift and quartered material to either side of that. Well, that cathedral down the middle is like a giant hinge. And all the wood is going to do is cup. And the wider that board is, the more cup you're probably going to see. Will it even itself out over time? Maybe, but probably not. Um, but the first thing that I ask is how much do I care? Like, what am I doing with that board? Um, if we are using a wide board, there's, there's a couple of things. It could be a tabletop, right? Could be a case side. Um, but in all of those instances, if it's, if it's a tabletop, you're maybe attaching it to a base that's going to help hold it flat or can you know, cinch that cup out as you screw it down, or you're putting breadboards on it, which will help to hold it in check and will flatten it out. If it's a case side, you're probably putting some sort of shelf or some sort of internal joinery in there, which could essentially hold it, 
pull that cup out. You create a sliding dovetail or like the bookcase I made this weekend. It's meant to be a nailed together piece of furniture. So yeah, there was 13 inch wide case sides that cupped a little bit when he was store box, big box uh, pine. So the moisture wasn't exactly ideal. It cupped over the course of the weekend. But you know what? I drove the nails into the dados, put a little glue in it, and now it was perfectly flat. Um, If it's a door panel, you're probably going to put it inside a frame and panel type situation, in which case the groove is going to help flatten out that cup. If it is not, you know, going in frame and panel, if it's just a solid door, it's probably going to cup over time anyway. There's not, there's very little you're going to be able to do to it unless you put some battens or something across it. So the first question you have to ask, if you have an eighth of an inch deviation across that width, is that really going to matter? Do you need that board to be perfectly flat? Can you push that cup out with a little bit of hand pressure? Can you redesign or add some joinery to that that will pull that cup out? It will still allow the wood to move. You know, if you say you used a batten and it was a sliding dovetail, it will still allow the wood to move across the grain, but you're just kind of forcing it into a geometric plane. That's not restricting the movement. You're just kind of telling it what to do a little bit. Hmm. Um, as far as have I seen this happen before, pretty much every single time I have a wide board, even a quarter sawn board is going to develop a little bit of cup. There's still the wood is still moving in two directions. It's just moving a lot less in one direction over the other. So the wider the board you have, the really the more movement you're going to see because wood movement's really kind of a percentage game. So uh, there's there's little you can do to avoid it. If you really want it to be flat, this is one of those situations where sometimes you got to work faster. You know, hey, I milled it and it's flat. And if you let it sit around for a couple of days, couple of weeks, it's probably going to develop some sort of cup on you. So you can weigh it down. You can restrain it. I actually just saw Matt Vanderlis the, uh, this weekend on Facebook. <laughs> He's working on a project, may not get to it for a while, so he clamped up his boards and his moxen vice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So he's basically got like a veneer press thing going on. That will certainly help keep them as the as the um, the moisture uh, acclimates. You're kind of holding it in the shape you want to keep it in while it dumps or adjusts, picks up that moisture. Does that mean when you take it out of the clamp that it's not going to cup? Probably not. It may still move a little bit on you. And that's it's kind of my point thinking. here. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the point here is there's very little you can do. You know, there's a bunch of different tricks. Maybe you could try wet one side to try to get that cup to come back, but it's probably going to cup again on you. So think about how you're going to use it and what joinery can I employ? What method can I employ to keep that board flat? And you may be surprised at how little you end up caring about that cup on the board. Yeah. You know what I think of uh, wood movement, like the, my analogy, is like uh, people with curly hair. You know, <laughs> you, can, you can heat treat and moisture treat your hair to make it straight, but it's temporary. You know, and what right. happens when it gets a little bit humid outside? Frizzes up, you know? So it's like when your hair wants to be curly, do what you want, but eventually it's going to curl. The curl will always win. And yeah. this is said as a guy with, you know, fairly curly hair. Um, so that's kind of the way I look at wood. Like if it wants to move, you might be able to temporarily stop it. So unless you're putting it into, like you mentioned this, into some sort of formation that it's actually physically being held, it's still going to cup. It's just, it's going to exert that pressure onto the base and Mm -hmm. you might not notice it. You might notice it. I don't know. Um, but it's going to do what it's going to do for the most part. Yeah. And, and I think there is this natural inclination. Well, I can't restrain it. Because I've got to keep the wood moving. Well, that's not preventing it from moving. 
you know, nailing it down to not nailing or screwing or whatever, how you're attaching a tabletop to a base is not restraining the movement. That's why we kind of elongate those holes. Mm -hmm. You're just holding it flat. And that's exactly what a breadboard does. You know, perfectly acceptable joinery technique. But like I use the the blanket chest lid I've got right now. That's a 17 inch wide top that most definitely cut because I've been taken for bloody ever to build this blanket chest. <laughs> so it just sat there cupping. Well, the minute I, I cut breadboards, put breadboards on, guess what? It's dead flat now. Well, not yeah. dead flat. You get the idea. It's flat ish. Um, and it will stay flat ish. And I haven't officially attached the finally attached those breadboards yet, but I just kind of kept them on and it's kept it perfectly flat. So Hmm. yeah. Cool. All right. Well, if you like this email stuff, you can get yourself an extra one because we do an extra one every week for the $4 (laughs) patrons. So just go to patreon.com slash wood talk, sign up for that $4 level and you'll get access to all of our email extras, which is a lot of fun. It's good stuff. And if you want to support the show outside of that, uh, you can pick up a Wood Talk t-shirt at TWWstore.com. And if you want to do something that costs absolutely no money, just a couple seconds of your time, you can go over to the iTunes store, look us up, click on ratings and reviews, and leave us a uh, five-star rating like C. Bova did. He said, I recently discovered this show and haven't stopped listening since. I'm about halfway through the back episodes and find it hard to press stop. I'm trying to save some uh, for my travel in January, but I'm not sure I can make it last. It's amazing how the topics relate to my own experiences and questions as a hobbyist woodworker in a small shop. Great content and personalities. I feel like I know you guys and could enjoy a cold grape soda and talk shop. I discovered Mark about six years ago when I was starting down the rabbit hole of woodworking. I have since visited all of your personal pages, even old Matt. I must say, new Matt looks nothing like what I expected based on a voice. I (laughs) I thought he would be a girl. No, he didn't say that. That's me. (laughs) That's me ad-libbing. He goes on to say, I recently submitted a question and made a small donation, so I'm hoping you can find time to address it. And I'm also considering a guild membership too. Listener for life. Keep it up. See Bova. Well, thank you, sir. We really appreciate that. And and I don't mean to put words in your mouth. Yes, I do. It's funny. Yes, he does. I definitely meant it. (laughs) All right. I'm curious what he thought I'd look like. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because I, I saw, I probably saw you and heard you at the same, like concurrently at the same time. Yeah. So I only know your face with your voice. But we'll have to, Chris, write us. I, I think his name is Chris because I recognize his last name, C. Bova. But anyway, dude, write us. Let us know. What what do you think Matt should look like? <laughs> Draw us a picture if you can. Wait, I'm you know, also this like, I'm lumberjack thing going on. So you must be tall and yeah. like, wear flannel and all that stuff. <laughs> Big burly beard, stuff like that. All right, uh, Shannon, why don't you give him the contact info and we will get out of here. Sure. If you have any comments or topic suggestions or questions or, you know, stuff you want to tell us, you can do it a couple of ways. You can leave a voicemail on Skype. Uh, our username is Wood Talk Online. You can call us at 623-242-5180 or you can use our contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact or just go to our website at woodtalkshow.com and leave a comment. And that's it. You got yeah. nothing else. Nothing okay. witty. You don't need wit. You know, at this point, it's too late no. for wit. Yeah, too much wit. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. See you. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>